ora. How are we today? Excellent. Um, my name's Alicia, if you don't know me. I'm one of the co-leaders. And it's awesome to have you all here. It's great. Uh, we have been in a series called The Flourishing Life, uh, where we have been following the John Ortberg book, The Me I Want to Be. And one of the foundational quotes that we have been starting with is this great one. When you flourish, you become more you. You become more that person God had in mind when he thought you up. You don't just become holier, you become youier. Love that word, youier. Um, today we are going to talk about renewing our minds. What does it look like for our minds to flourish? The text for today is in Romans 12, verse 2. I'm going to have two translations that we're going to read today. The first one is this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. New Living Translation goes by this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Now, some caveats before I get started. Um, for many years, I was a neurophysiotherapist, but I am not a neuroscientist. I'm not a cognitive scientist. And the new one that I learned recently is um, I am not a neurotheologian. Um, so doctors in the house, scientists in, your, in the house, um, please excuse me, I may not go into depth, I may be skimming this area, um, what you think I should be doing. The other thing to realise is this is a broad topic. I really understand the complexities that goes on with talking about the mind, the brain, mental illness, genetics, trauma, um, so please give me grace that I won't be able to cover all of this in one talk. Uh, the next thing which is important to note is I have not mastered this. Uh, I think that all of the staff team here at Central Vineyard, my family, especially my husband, um, could probably put their hands up and say that Alicia's on a journey of renewing her mind. And hopefully all of us can put up our hands humbly and say we are all on this journey together. Great. So let's start properly. Your mind... It's extremely important in becoming your flourishing self. What makes people the way that they are, what makes you, you, is mostly the way that you think. Our lives have been built in a series of choices, a series of actions, each of them being heavily influenced by the way that our thoughts are, how we see and accept our own reality. Every decision that we make, the way that we interact with the world is largely shaped by the way that we think. This is for good and this is for bad. Some quotes that go with this. David Kshuri said, the mind is a powerful force. It can enslave us or empower us. It can plunge us into the depths of misery or take us to the heights of ecstasy. Learn to use the power wisely. John Milton says this, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. 
Now, while David especially, I don't think, is talking from a Christian perspective, Scripture backs up the importance of our state of mind. Now, another translation that we see about state of mind in the Bible is the discipline of our mind. Jesus is teaching... It's all good. Jesus is teaching about the power and the effects of our desires, about our thoughts, and he talks about the importance of placing our minds on the things above. So what do I mean when I talk about the mind? Now in this context, when I'm talking about the mind, the mind is different from the brain. Okay, the brain itself is part of a physical being, it's matter. If I get a brain, someone's brain, won't do it, pop it on the table here, um, we could feel it. We could feel the hemispheres, we could feel the tissue, the neurons are there, we can't feel it's too small. But they are there. Um, yeah, so that is the physical matter of the brain. Part of the brain's role is to give us constant streams of information to our consciousness and through our subconscious. Okay, so that's the brain, but our active mind is the one that reasons this information. It's the one that makes judgments based on our ideas, our beliefs, and our imagination. And then the mind chooses and decides our will, whether to listen to this information, whether we're going to accept it or reject it. The mind is defined by Jeffrey Swartz and Rebecca Gladding in the book, You Are Not Your Brain, great book, recommend it, is directed attention. Now, another way of saying this is, is our mind is what we put our attention on. Now, when I thought about who is someone that has uh, the most focus on something, when do they use this part of the mind? I can't help but think of a kid in a shop that wants a toy. Their desire for that toy is super strong, right? Their desire, their focus is on that toy and they're unrelenting. They either get the toy, they're happy, or there's the other option, the temper tantrum, whatever it is. Now, I've got an example of this of um, my daughter. Bless. So I have two daughters. I have an eight-year-old called Isla and I have a five-year-old called Willow. Um, my husband and I went to a wedding a couple of weeks ago and I asked my parents to look after our girls. And the grandparents did what the grandparents always did, they spoiled them rotten. They took them to loads of places, they gave them amazing food. And at the end of the day, Nana, who is my mum, they call her Nana, said, okay, here's this shop, you can go and you can spend the total of $15 for you and Willow to spend at this shop. Now Isla, the eight-year-old, already knew what she wanted. She wanted this rainbow cat toy. And she knew that it was over $15. So she looked at Nana and she said, Nana, you can't buy anything in the shop for $15. You have to increase it to $20. So Nana looked at her and said, Isla, it would be just really nice if you could show me some appreciation for what we've done today. Isla thought about it. She contemplated it for a little bit and she was quiet. She came back to Nana and said, Nana, I've thought about it. And I think we can come to a compromise. <laughs> I'll show you some appreciation. You up it to $20. <laughs> she was focused. She was using her mind like nothing else. Now, we often aren't too different at times to Isla. We may not be focused on getting that rainbow plastic cat, 
Uh, however, we can focus and we can fixate our thoughts on how that person has wronged us, how we desire, how we imagine that person that we so want to be with, how we can ruminate about something we have said or done, and then we wonder if someone's thinking anything bad about us. Maybe for you, it's focusing on those achievements at work. You want that promotion. You want to be recognised. You're thinking of that lifestyle achievement that you want to run that marathon. Or maybe that's just earning a little bit more, just that little bit more. God has given us the gift of freedom in our minds. It's a gift that we have for our minds, but we have freedom in it. The freedom is to choose what we do and what we do not think about. Our minds can be a place of gratitude, of contentment, of looking for the beauty that God has around us and the goodness. Or they can become a prison of bondage, trapped in our own thoughts. Now, if we look back on Romans 12, 2, and we take the two phrases, being conformed to the patterns of this world, and being transformed by the renewing of the mind. We can see that one is more passive, the being conformed to the patterns of the world. This is where we don't feel maybe we have any control over our thoughts and feelings. So, you know, we might just think, oh, they're just, they're just thoughts and feelings, what's harm anyway? Or we just have this passive response that anything in our external life, our culture, our circumstances, then just come in. We don't challenge our thoughts, we just let them go wild. Now there's loads of problems with this. I've listed a few here today, but I'm, I recognize there's a lot more. I'll just touch on a few of these. So, have we got them up there? Brilliant, thank you. So our first one, our internal dialogue. Now unfortunately our minds don't tend to lean towards tranquility and harmony and contentment and so forth, so forth. Um, unfortunately, our minds, research shows, dwell on more negative thoughts and worries. In 2005, the National Science Foundation did this amazing study. They found that the average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. Now, of those thoughts, they found that 80% of those were negative. Not only that, but 95% were exactly the same repetitive thoughts as the day before. So not only are you thinking more negatively, 95% of them are repetitively. They said that these negative thought patterns can lead to anxiety, stress, and a distorted perception of reality if they go unchallenged. Next, information overload. We know that there's an increased amount of information that we can access. The constant stream of news and articles and opinions, um, often extreme negative opinions and information. Uh, they said that there's an effect on the cognition. So we have a decreased attention span, did you know that? Reduced decision making, they say, because of this information overload and increased stress levels. Social media, we know the strong link that is the social media usage and a decreased life satisfaction and self-worth. Trauma and the breakdown of families. So this is where we have trauma which is unresolved. And it leads to a plethora of mental illnesses that often occur. 
They say anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so forth. Cultural vision of the good life. If you're aware of it or not, the cultural vision of the good life in which we live, it emphasizes a long, happy, healthy life. We often hear the statements, as long as my kids are happy, or as long as I have my health, that's the main thing. Well, there is nothing inherently wrong with these aspirations. It's not like the Christian's vision for, good, for the good life is a short, miserable, and sickly life. However, Miroslav Volf's book, A Life Worth Living, challenges this vision and states this awesome statement of not everything that you want is actually worth wanting. He expresses that this vision of a good life is something that at some level all of us want, but it doesn't mean it's anywhere close to the top of the list of things worth wanting. This good vision, it breaks down when it is challenged by circumstances that come out of our control. When suffering occurs, and we start to ask the question of what life's purpose and meaning is. And ultimately, the pursuit of happiness, measured by what feels good to me, leaves us unsatisfied. Next one, spiritual war. There is a battle raging for our minds. The Apostle Paul warned us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, as Dan spoke about today. In the beginning, the serpent, the evil one, deceived Eve, not with something shiny. He didn't destroy her with a knife or a gun, but through an idea. Essentially, the lie that was given to Eve, which is essentially the same lie that ultimately he gives us is this. God can't be trusted. His word is not true. He does not have his best interests in mind. He doesn't understand. Trust the feelings and the voice in your head instead of what God told you. That's more accurate. John 10.10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And often this is through the medium of a lie. The lies are often subtle. They often come through thoughts and ideas that sound appealing and plausible, but ultimately are lies that result in death, not life. How are we going? <laughs> Transformation of our mind. It goes beyond passively allowing our lives to be absorbed by our surroundings. It is a profound and active process. It is a process of actively partnering and participating with the Spirit to undergo a profound change. Dallas Willard says this, the only way to escape being conformed to a fallen humanity is by receiving the mind of Christ himself. Then our hearts can be renovated and our soul restored. If we desire a flourishing life of what we've been talking about recently, and to allow God to transform us. 
we need to focus on renewing our minds because true change starts first in our minds. So how do we get the mind of Christ? How do we renew our minds? Here's what I'm going to cover today. Monitor our minds. If we want our minds to be renewed, we have to pay attention to what it is focused on. Our thoughts can be so automatic and so habitual to the point that we don't even realise what we're thinking. We can be having bitter and anxious and selfish thoughts and we don't even realise it. For example, I love my sleep. And um, my issue, one of them, with my husband... <laughs> just one, I just have one issue here. Um, is that his early morning routine sometimes wakes up our daughters. And um, that's game over, guys, if you don't have kids. No matter what time they wake up, 5, sometimes earlier, 5.30, that's you for the day. Um, and while I, I understand he's not doing it on purpose, um, but when it started to happen frequently and kept on waking them up, I became emotionally charged, wild maybe, <laughs> against him. And one day, my daughter woke up early again, and out of habit, I rolled over and groaned, Rob, not again, um, only to realise that he was next to me sleeping. My reflex to blame him and become angry was surprisingly quick and reactive. <laughs> Get out. Uh, becoming aware and monitoring our thought, it requires honesty. Let's put aside our emotions about our feelings and our thoughts and everything like that at the moment. Let's put them to a side. Let's not analyse it. Let's lay it on the table first and let's just be honest with how it is. Some questions we can ask ourselves are these. What do I most desire? What drives me? Another way of saying this is where is your self-worth or identity? Sometimes we don't actually know these things until they're taken away from us. We don't realise that we had that much self-worth in our job until we're laid off. We don't realise we put so much of our trust and our money and our savings until it's gone. What do I truly believe about myself, about others, and especially God's perception of me? What is my emotional tone? What, what is it generally? Is it more anxious, reactive, defensive? Joyful, put in another word. Now, it's important to realise that there are valid reasons and thoughts behind our thoughts and behind our emotions. We don't need to carry shame for these things, but transforming our mind has to start with acknowledging where we stand. Now, there are various practical tasks, practical exercises that we can undertake to become aware of our thoughts. One method I really like is if you put a random alarm on your phone or of your watch or whatever it is, and when it goes off, you take a moment to write down what you are thinking, where your attention is focused, our disposition, our anxieties, what we're reading, just write them all down. And then over time, you look at the themes. You look at your recurrent thought patterns, 
and then we give them to God. We are honest with God. He already knows. You can pray this prayer in Psalm, which says, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This includes those of us who may be feeling like we're in a season of not desiring God. Maybe you've had a past of being on fire for him, but for whatever reason, now it feels dry, confusing and hard. Can I encourage you to just start with being honest with God, to come to him who hasn't changed, who loves you, who understands where you've come from, and just lay it out in front of God. Next, weigh them. We then need to weigh our thoughts. Some of us have been carrying around thoughts that were being handed to us by um, us as a child, but they're not true. Maybe we've been taught about who God is, how the world works, or what people are really like. And we haven't challenged them. We need to weigh them, weigh our thoughts. So once we become aware of our thoughts, we have monitored them. We start to become more aware of what thoughts that we have. We start to become aware that we blame people too quickly, or we catastrophize, or we dwell on anxious thoughts, we compare, we judge people too much. But also, we have thoughts of God's truth about ourselves and of the world. Now, when we have thoughts, we should weigh them, we should pause, we should slow down and ask ourselves, are these thoughts, are these beliefs, is this moving me towards God and the person that he calls me to be? Is it moving me towards life? Is it moving me towards actual reality of courage, of joy? Maybe it is a pain that we need to actually address. Or is it moving me away? An important principle to learn about renewing our minds is this. John Altberg says, you can't stop thinking wrong thoughts by trying harder to not think them. Can I just repeat that again? You can't stop thinking wrong thoughts by trying harder to not think them. But you can do something else. You can set your mind. For the most basic power you have over your mind is that you can choose what you pay attention to. Another way of saying it is this. You cannot prevent the birds from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building nests in your hair. The thoughts that we have have enormous power over our lives. The thoughts that we decide to dwell on, the perception of reality that you choose actually changes our brain. Now, for me, I know I geek out about this stuff, um, about the neurology, um, but it also represents the awesome God that designed it. You're going to love it. Let's go. Okay, only about 25 years ago, only 25 years ago, researchers thought that the brain was genetically and structurally unchangeable. But they found that even in adulthood, it is amazingly moldable. 
The brain, it can change due to various outside forces, of course, like injuries and trauma. But the interesting work that they have done is that our minds and our thoughts can actually change the structure of our brain. Now, question, how does something material, like I just said, something that you can touch, like the brain, get changed by something immaterial, like our thoughts? It's called quantum xeno effect. Everyone say it. Yep, great. The simplified explanation is this. Your brain becomes what you focus on. Your brain becomes what you focus on. When and how you focus your attention actually changes your brain. It builds new pathways, new neurons start to be made. The more practice you think, the stronger that pathway becomes and you actually rewire your nervous system in your brain. That's why when you look at certain brains, when they looked at Einstein's brain and they looked at the geometric space in the brain, it had increased because he had exercised it more. We are continually being changed. Another way of saying this, we are continually being formed, whether we like it or not. We can make neurons and synapses that either remain, wither away, or grow stronger depending on our mental habits and what we choose to indulge our thoughts in. We can sculpt our brain by using our mind, just like we can sculpt our arm muscles going to the gym. It's called the law of exertion, you know this. If we want to get stronger in something, you need to exercise it, because if you don't use it, you... So for example, if I allow myself to blame my husband all the time without getting challenging, without challenging myself as to what ownership I have in this, without asking myself, actually, do I want to respond to him in this way every time, my blaming pathway only becomes stronger. There is a strong reason why the Bible says anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Imagining, letting your mind wander is doing something to your brain. Nick, are you here? Nick Dow? There you go. If I get Nick, amazing pianist, to come up and play a piece on the piano, which isn't here today, that's a shame. But if he came in and played a piece, we looked at his brain and we looked at the neural pathway that's occurring. And then I say, okay, Nick, put your hands down, close your eyes, do the same piece for me, but just imagine it. The same neural circuit pathway is being activated the same as if he was playing it. Even by imagining and thinking over something, you can be increasing the same neural circuit pathway, creating the same desire, the same reasoning to become stronger. Maybe even before all the scientific research came out. The Apostle Paul was onto something when he encouraged believers to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So as our mental thoughts are continually changing, becoming stronger or weaker, whether we like it or not, what are we choosing to set our minds on? 
The goal of transforming our mind to the mind of Christ is the idea that no matter what circumstance we may be in, we set our minds to look for the presence of God always in our lives. Like Dan talked about last week, the river of living water, it's always flowing. It's always inviting us and encouraging us to come and have our minds transformed. We can at any time turn our minds towards Christ. Next one, feeding our minds. Just like we have good food, we can eat and choose to eat, which is good for us in the long term. It's healthy, gives us energy compared to junk food, which is really good, but um, has no nutritious value for us. Same applies to our minds. We need to feed it good food. As Philippians says, should we say this together? Whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The reason why God had the first commandment, thou shalt not worship any other gods apart from me, it's not because he's power hungry. It's because he loves us so much and this is for our good, not for his need. According to the law of worship, it states, by beholding, we become changed. Psychiatry calls this modelling, where we neurobiologically, psychologically, and characterologically, we change our character, we based upon what we look at, worship, and meditate on. Ancient disciples like Paul were saying back then what neuroscientists are saying now. You become what you think about. So if we believe that God is loving, generous and compassionate, and do we dwell on these things, we worship this, we become more like it. Andrew Newberg, he's a neuroscientist, um, he's been studying the effect of what happens in the brain when we pray and when we dwell on God. He found that when we contemplate a loving God enough and when we regularly pray, there's some part of our brain called the anterior cingulate. Now, when you activate it, it boosts part of the brain by decreasing our impulses of anger and fear and increases our feelings of love and compassion. Now that's awesome, right? Awesome part of the brain, but the other thing to realize is that the opposite is true. If we believe that the God is angry at us, is judgmental, is distant, what happens to our brain is that impulses occur of feelings of anger and anxiety and similar effects to PTSD. What we believe what we worship, it matters. Dallas Willard said this. When we come to the task of developing disciples into the fullness of Christ, we must be very clear that one main part, and by far the most fundamental, is to form the insights and the habits of the students' minds so that it stays directed towards God. 
So here are some ideas that are good food for our minds to form new habits, because they're not going to just change straight away. Wouldn't that be great if we could just flick the switch like that? It has to become habitual. Um, so here are some ideas that I've listed up here. I've got the two main ones, and I'll just talk about that. So obviously, scripture. Now sometimes we know we read scripture because we feel like we should. As in a tick box, we do it at night, you know, just before we go to bed. Tick, done. But Eugene Peterson says that we should treat scripture like a dog treats a bone. We should chew on it over and over, trying to get at the good stuff. Because inside of it is the beauty, the yum stuff. Then you go away, you come back and chew it on it again. Now, Dan talked about this last week, about being in different seasons. So if you have the time and capacity and you love, you can do study on it. The other idea, memorise it. We don't memorise it as much as we used to. But there's absolute benefits of memorising some scripture because in circumstances when you need it the most, it can pop back up. To be able to memorise it, though, you have to intentionally do something about it. We could put it on the wall. I know that's 80s or 90s style, but we can still do that. Okay, We can do something to memorise it over and over again. We need to learn about who God is. Like we said before, if we don't have a good interpretation of actually who our God is, there is a huge problem in that. So go to Scripture and learn about this amazing God. You may not be in the most season of being able to do loads of time. That's okay. Pick on one thing and ponder it. Bring your mind back to it. Throughout the day, ponder who God is. Make this a habit. The next one, contemplation. Um, large topic, do it in a quick time. Contemplation is to fill our minds of God's presence in our daily life. To commune, to be in union with now, John Mike Comer said that contemplation has kind of two areas in it. Um, one is watchfulness. If we break down what watchfulness is, one part of it is just to be fully present in the now. Not thinking about the past, not looking to the future, just staying in the now and accepting God's presence. And the other part of watchfulness is to guard our thoughts. Like we said before, it comes through lies and ideas. And to be able to recognise what's of God, what's not. And to guard the things that usually bring us towards those things. Meditation, the kind that we see in the Bible, is filling our minds on the beauty and the goodness of God. So what is it for you? Do you need to rejig that a little bit to work out what, how you actually experience that? There are so many things that you could do to remind yourself on the beauty and the goodness of God. For me, I love going for walks on the beach and not putting on a podcast as much as possible and just recognise that I am small compared to this large world and to worship the amazing God that designed it. Um, for some of you, I know you like hiking, Ella, um, or camping, I will not be with you with that, but I'll encourage you in it in the Airbnb batch next to you. Um, but whatever, whatever it is that you enjoy that reminds you of God, worship songs, be able to study and be in Christian theology, prayerful books, whatever it is, to meditate regularly on the beauty and the goodness of God. Transforming our mind 
like I said, is not like putting a positive spin on a situation. It's not waving a magic wand around and improving our state of minds and discipline. This is not a one-time event. It's not like, oh, yep, I've had my mind renewed. Brilliant. It's a slow, it's an active journey that we are continually working on. It's often not easy. It's nuanced and it's individualised. You may be working on something that's different to me. That's okay. We may dearly still struggle with the thoughts in our mind and to fix our attention. But the more that we choose to turn, the more that we choose to to spend time with the God that loves us and commune with the compassionate and all-knowing one, the easier and the stronger we start to absorb and respond in the way of Christ, to have a mind like Christ. It is a process. Henry Nouwen said this beautiful quote, from the moment we claim the truth of being the beloved, we are faced with the call to become who we are. God does not see you as a project to fix. You are his child, his beloved, and he wants the best for you. He wants you to have a flourishing life. He wants your mind to be renewed because it's the best for us. I want to do something slightly different to finish today. I want us to be able to relax, take a deep breath. And I want to pray over you and to fix our attention on the presence of God who is already here. The prayer is, the foundation is um, by Strom, but he's okayed me to change it a little bit as well for the town. So get in a comfortable position for yourself. And if you are okay with it, if you can close your eyes, or whatever it takes for you just to focus and to slow down. Father, the one who knows our desires and state of mind, let us wander into you. May our every good and hurtful thoughts wander into you now. In turning towards you, may we experience your kindness, your presence, your power to heal even the most broken mind through compassionate communion. Spirit, guide our thoughts. Let us be aware of thoughts that are not of you, thoughts that only lead to destruction, lack of purpose and death. Give us the courage to step away from these things and towards your truth, your reality, 
and life. We desire for a flourishing life and to become who we were meant to be. Let whatever truth has stirred in us today take momentum in our spirits and let us embody them in our everyday lives. Your awesome name. Amen. So that's us for today. Bless you guys. Um, If anyone would like some prayer, we would love to pray for you. If you are new, we would love to chat with you. Um, Otherwise, have an amazing day. Much love for the week ahead. And we'll see you next week for our next topic in Flourishing Life.